You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome into a special edition of BGN Radio, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist, NFL, that's K-I-S-T. And you may have noticed there haven't been any Kist and Solak preview shows for this upcoming Eagles-Rams game, and I do apologize for that. Me and Ben had some issues pop up in our personal lives that happened in a cluster, and it made preparing for and recording these, these episodes nearly impossible, but we'll resume a regular schedule next week. Uh, also, there's been the Carson Wentz news that has made everything a circus, so we've been focusing on covering that as well. But BGN Radio episode 27 with Brandon Lee Gowton and John Stolness does a great job covering the Wentz story. Also, I dropped a special at the podium episode with the Doug Peterson press conferences addressing that developing story, so make sure you check those out if you haven't. So since me and Ben were unable to get out our normal preview shows, I wanted to make it up to you, gentle listener by bringing on a great guest from Turf Show Times, the SB Nation site of the Los Angeles Rams. I spoke with Joe McCaddy, their managing editor, a.k.a. 3K, as some of you may know him. He helped me get a more in-depth look at this upcoming game with the Rams. I've also got a piece up on BleedingGreenNation.com that details some of the wrinkles of the Rams' offense and how the Eagles will have to adapt to stop those concepts, and we'll see if Jim Schwartz is willing and able to make those necessary adjustments to slow down this Rams team but before you check that out or while you check that out we have a preview show to get to let's go to my conversation with Joe McCaddy of Turf Show Times right now Joe welcome into BGN Radio uh, do I call you 3k or do I call you Joe or do I call you Mason like it says on your Twitter which really threw me through a loop today <laughs> any of the three so 3k was just a name it was actually uh, it's still my Twitter handle I'm a outcast fan and I was listening to Andre this dates me pretty I'm an old now so I was listening to Andre 3000 back when SB Nation when Tertial Times first started when I first joined Twitter so I did 3k Mason is because of Mason Fine the quarterback for my alma mater mm. uh, the University of North Texas I am a Mason Fine liker he is good at football and i'm glad for it joe is my actual name so you can pick any of the three or come up with an epithet whatever you want man gotcha i'll probably alternate between all three probably knowing me but before we dig into this eagles rams matchup uh, joe would you let our listeners know what you do for turf show times and where they can find you and your work specifically i'm the managing editor for turf show times so mainly i try to keep cursing to a minimum the main thing follow us at turf show times don't follow me at 3k underscore i'm not entertaining the other guys are uh uh, follow us at Tertial Times. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. 
We're on Facebook. I don't even know if that's a thing I'm supposed to promote anymore. <laughs> and you can follow us. Tertial Radio is our podcast. We have a good time with that, too. I'm so bad at promoting on Facebook. I forget about it for like days at a time. It's bad. I hope my boss isn't listening to this. But yeah, it, it happens. Uh, I put it on MySpace if I could get more clicks out of it. But I think that's that's long past. But Joe, let's dig into this Eagles-Rams matchup. Joe, every week. SB Nation does their fan pulse, which is a survey for fans of all 32 teams. And from what I saw this week, fan confidence has dipped recently from what was essentially 100% throughout the season down to 82%, likely due to the recent loss to the Bears and the 3-2 and record in the last five games. As I watch the timeline on Twitter, you see some wild Sean McVay takes after that 15 to 6 Bears loss. And look, the Bears have a great defense that can challenge any offense. Uh, they keep the Rams to single digits for the first time in the year and actually the first time under 29 points this year. I feel like the dip in confidence is a little reactionary and that this team, this Rams team, is still a prime contender in the NFC, of course. Uh, Joe, how do you process these recent events as it relates to your confidence with the Rams this year? Yeah, so I'd say two things. First, in terms of the fan pulse, the lowest it had been before this week was 96%. And you you understand why. The team was 11-1 going into this last week. The only loss was to the Saints, who are one of the best teams in the NFL. We had wins against the Chargers, the Vikings, and obviously that Monday night game against the Chiefs. So there wasn't a lot to really dent the confidence, even with the loss, because even when we haven't played well necessarily, we've gotten wins out of it. And for a team that, you know, the narrative going into this year with the big name recognition additions that we had, like Ndamukong Su, Brandon Cooks, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib, was focusing on a Super Bowl run. And it was really pushing mm. this idea that we were going to get to the playoffs and make a deep postseason run. The, the confidence never dipped because of performance the way it might have for other teams because everybody's been focused on January going back to March. I think the right. other thing you'd say is because of that, the only real barometer that we have for the regular season to care about for Rams fans is how we perform against playoff caliber teams. It didn't necessarily matter that we didn't play our best game against the Detroit Lions two weeks ago because who really cares, right? That's not the right. kind of game that you're going to judge the Rams on. You're going to judge them based on how they play against the Saints and the Chargers and the Chiefs and ultimately the Bears. And so to go into this game knowing that it was a big deal and getting ready for the weather the way they did against Denver about a month and a half ago and and knowing everything that was going into it and to put up the game that they did offensively, I think that's really why the reactionaryism, the, that's not a word, the, <laughs> the just the magnitude of the reaction that Rams fans had to the game was really a result of knowing this is the kind of game that matters. And the only thing we're going to ultimately judge this team on is how they fare in the postseason. And this was a playoff game in December, and the Rams essentially failed the test. Yeah, and those are great points, and, and I agree with that. Let's talk about Jared Goff for a second, because just like the Rams, I mean, for the majority of this season, maybe excluding a couple games in the middle, he's been playing some fantastic ball. And you could argue that he's been playing at some points in the top tier, or at least solidly, solidly in the second tier of quarterbacks in regard to just play this year. He went five straight games coming into this game with the Bears with over a, uh, 110 quarterback rating. Um, but as I watched the Lions game, that's right, coming into the Lions game, I, I thought he missed a healthy amount of throws in that game with some bad decisions mixed in, uh, some of which I thought the Lions could have made more out of, but the Bears certainly didn't miss those opportunities. They picked him off four times. Yeah. Goff finishes that game with a 19.1 quarterback rating. Uh, but just looking at his overall game, you have to be encouraged with what he can bring to this team when he's on and he's mostly been on this season, right? 
Yeah, and he's playing. I mean, it's one of those things where you look at a young guy and the trajectory of his career. He just turned 24. It's his third professional season. We talked about that, how the playoffs are going to be the barometer for this team. Maybe that's the barometer that we can start to apply to his career. He's 0-1. He's played one playoff game. It's just a young guy at the, in the nascency of his career. It's hard to have a good hot take about him this early on. I think the thing you'd say is obviously the last two weeks has been the worst two-game stretch since the Jeff Fisher era in his rookie season. And since then, we just haven't seen something like this where, you know, he's thrown for 387 yards the last two weeks, one touchdown that was against Detroit, and then the five interceptions. And so it's been unusual to have a two-game stretch where he's played this poorly because usually when he has a bad game, you see him bounce back. He's never really had a game as bad as he did against Chicago under Sean McVay. So it's it's relatively unusual, and I think that speaks to how good he's been the last two years for a kid that continues to develop and has a lot of the skills that you want to see from a franchise quarterback back I think maybe that's kind of the point going into this game is he needs more than anybody else maybe on the roster to have a performance to re you know inject that confidence and and to show that confidence in himself because the playoffs are three weeks away and for nobody more so than Jared Goff himself is it going to be more important to be able to carry this team and to be able to put the kind of performance that you need to uh, once you get to the playoffs well he got a perfect opponent coming up for if you want to rebuild some confidence with this Eagles secondary which we'll talk about so here's the thing though Michael I get everybody says that every week every week no matter who we're playing everybody says well you're lucky to be playing our team Like if if you're not a team like the Rams, then then yeah, that's pretty much how everybody talks right now in this point of the season. Uh, but when I when I watch this offense, there's a couple of things that stood out to me on film when watching them, and I've done some charting on this. And, and this first point here, this is from PFF, not mine, but uh, the Rams love play action. They run a, yep. a healthy dose of it. They're near the tops of the league in their frequency, which has given the Eagles problems. So that's one thing that I'm looking for. Second. In the last two weeks, teams have started to just flat out ignore the Rams jet motion, mainly mm-hmm. by evenly distributing their coverage pre-snap so they don't have to react to it. And if you don't have to react to it, there's not much of a reason for the Rams to run it. And over the recent weeks, you've seen less and less of it. So as far as general motion goes too, what I saw was a big run tell with motion and an even bigger pass tell without motion. So when they when they motion, they run. And I'm assuming this is because they want you to rotate your safeties and they hit you on the backside with a play like weak wide zone that they love to run. Uh, now that your safety is out of the box, they have all that space. But uh, am I onto something here? And if I'm onto something with this, were the Bears onto it? And if the Bears are onto it, are you concerned that other teams are going to use that tendency against them in the future with similar success? Or are you confident that McVay is going to crack this new code? Yeah, I mean, that the latter part is really the key is, you know, maybe teams have figured it out, but what comes next? Because there, there are four main components to the office. You had uh, the offense, you identified two of them, the play action, which obviously requires you to establish the run. That's not something they did against the Bears. The lateral motion. Uh, that's a second component. A third would be the use of the screen game, especially because Todd Gurley's incredible in space. And so when teams are struggling to get pressure and they start bringing the blitz, it just opens things up to be able to use the screen. The Bears didn't have to do that because, number one, the Rams offensive line didn't play well in and of itself. But two, the Bears have Khalil Mack, and that makes things a lot easier to rush the passer. Yeah. And then the the last thing I would say that that's really a main component uh, of their offense is is the diversity and being able to use all the different weapons. And now that they've gone away from uh, Cooper Cup because he's injured for the rest of the year, I think you really saw things break down. And obviously at the front with the offensive line and Jared Goff, they just weren't able to get anything done. For whatever reason, the Rams didn't run the ball 
Um, that was the big talking point within the Rams bubble is why Todd Gurley just didn't get uh, to work on the ground. He, I think he had 11 carries to 43 passes for Jared Goff. It was a huge disparity, yeah. but it just didn't come off. And so you know, to the idea that the Bears cracked the code, maybe, but I don't know that many defenses can do what the Bears defense does. They were good at all four levels. They have Khalil Mack up front. They didn't have to employ the blitz. And so... You know, when you're not running the ball and you can't establish the play action and nobody's biting on that jet sweep, it kind of, and it, you get that avalanche effect on the offensive line. Things really fell apart this last game. And so you don't want to buy too hard into the recency bias of assuming that just because the last game something happened that it's, you know, it suggests what's going to happen moving forward. But definitely the Bears had more success against the Rams than anybody has since Sean McVay became head coach. Yeah. And you would almost kind of see it as a plus that teams have shown this to you rather than seeing it in the playoffs where it can, you know, it's <laughs> lose and you're done. So they have time to figure it out. And speaking of the offensive line that you were talking about, I think they deserve a lot of credit for how well they've played over the life of the season. I think football outsiders credits them with the most adjusted line yards, the lowest run yeah. stuff rank in pass protection. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pass protection is where they've been a little more vulnerable, but even then you're not really seeing it as a weakness per se. Joe, I will say that I'm looking at some struggles in the interior, though, of that line that they had. And you talked about this a little bit with Khalil Mack, but Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks, and of course, Khalil Mack is going to wreck shop against just about everybody. But Goldman and Hicks gave this line some problems. And I think it could be that kind of a day and matchup for Fletcher Cox, who is a wrecker himself. Are you worried about that matchup on the inside? And are you all at all concerned about maybe any other spots along this line? Because, you know, you've got Brandon Graham and Chris Long on the outside as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried about the trajectory of the line in general because you got John Sullivan, who's probably, along with right guard Austin Blythe, and that's a story in and of itself. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. John Sullivan's probably the weakest member of the offensive line. Uh, and he's, you know, not young. I think that speaks to when I, when I talk about the trajectory, that's kind of what I'm talking about is the age of these guys versus up and coming guys. John Sullivan is 33 years old. You got Roger Saffold right next to him. He's barely any younger. And then you got Andrew Whitworth, who's now 37 at left tackle. So at some point, this line is going to start to break down simply because of age. And it's one of those things where as fans, it's really hard to pick up, especially on line play. It's really hard to pick up when yeah. that starts to happen and how that begins to, uh, you know, metabolize and, and really grow into a bigger issue until it's just there. I mean, the Rams fans, the standard bearer that we have is Orlando Pace. And he was awesome for, you know, 13 years until one day it just snapped and it was over. And so it's it's kind of yeah. hard for a guy like Andrew Whitworth, who's, you know, the bulk of his career with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's been as good as he has been. But at some point, it's going to start to fall apart. And that was one of the big worries I had coming into the season. And so when you look at the whole left side of that line, I think that's a concern. But between Sullivan in the middle and Austin Blythe next to him, you've got this talent deficiency as good as Blythe has played that I think they could exploit yeah. it. Blythe came about only because... Jamon Brown, who was the starter at right guard last year, got suspended for the first two games. He was a UDFA that we picked up from the Colts going into last season and got a couple snaps here and there. But he was a rotational guy that just never cracked the starting lineup. But when Brown went uh, missing because of some marijuana for the first two games, Blythe <laughs> filled in and actually was really spectacular the first two games. And so it gave us this opportunity to develop this guy who was playing good football, but he was a UDFA for a reason. And I think at times he's shown, 
you know, that uh, there's a reason why that's the case and why we remember that. He's been a really, really good addition, but on the whole, he's not the most talented blocker. He's more technical than he is physical, and I think that leads to some issues when you combine him with John Sullivan on the inside that you don't have to worry on the outside with guys like Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein, the right tackle, who's put in a really good 2018. So we focus so far a lot on the Rams offense on this show because with the recent news Let's keep about- doing that. Let's, <laughs> let's just stay there. We don't have to go to the other side. Let's just stay on the offense. Uh, the Eagles got to get the ball sometimes. But look, I mean, with the news about Carson Wentz, unless Nick Foles shocks us all again with a performance like he had in the playoffs last year, I really don't feel that this Eagles offense is going to get much going against this Rams defense. But that said, Joe, just assume that I haven't watched a lick of the Rams defense this year. If I were to put on the film of this unit, what would stand out from this team as a weakness that I would say, okay, the Eagles can attack here or should attack here? The linebackers, the linebackers, and then also the linebackers. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's just not close. But the thing was, we knew that going in. The Rams, right. they strengthened things up front. They had an Indomitian Sioux and had some other draft guys that have come and, you know, gotten a couple minutes, guys like uh, John Franklin Myers that Eagles fans won't even recognize and may get uh, some snaps. But he's one of those guys that we're looking for more down the line. The cornerbacks, you make moves from Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib, and you have some functional depth, guys like Troy Hill. The Rams are fine there. And then safeties, LaMarcus Joyner on the franchise tag, John Johnson, a second-year player, third-rounder from the 2017 NFL Draft. You expect those three levels to be okay. The problem was the linebackers, and it was a problem last year. And the Rams didn't spend a ton of capital to fix it. They didn't uh, draft a premier edge rusher after Robert Quinn and Connor Barwin both uh, left. Barwin through free agency, Quinn through the trade to the Miami Dolphins. They just promoted guys and tried to figure out some stuff on day three of the draft. And... You know, the results were predictable. On top of that, on the inside, you had Alec Ogletree, who was miscast as a 3-4 inside linebacker after playing on the outside at Georgia, traded him away uh, as well to the Giants. And then, uh, you know, you had Mark Barron, who's moved uh, into the linebacker position after playing safety at Alabama with the Buccaneers. And he's been okay, but there's a physicality that's kind of missing because of his size for a thumper that you want to play the downhill role in a 3-4 inside linebacker. And next to him is Corey Littleton, a guy who's got some athleticism himself, but as a UDFA is not the most technically sound linebacker. And so we knew coming in was going to be a problem. And then it was a problem all year. And, you know, the trade for Dante Fowler has helped some things in the pass rush. But anytime you got a team that's willing to trade a guy, that's a reason. Uh, There's a reason that they're willing to give up on him. And I think that's been the issue is that whether it's the outside linebacker position, both in terms of the pass, but certainly in run defense and then inside linebackers, that's easily the softest spot for the Rams. So let's talk about this pass rush real quick, because coming into the season, I said this team looks fantastic on paper, but there's one big missing factor, and that's why you traded for Dante Fowler Jr. It's, you know, getting the edge rush. Interior pressure is fantastic, and, you know, it moves the quarterback off the spot and does all these things, but if you don't get that pressure from the edge to work in marriage with that, then it doesn't mean as much. Who is getting that consistent pressure for you on the edges? Uh, To be determined. No, I mean, there, there's no real answer, <laughs> right? And that's been yeah. the problem was it was Matt Longacre who was promoted from a rotational role last year Samson Abukum uh a second year guy that and neither really got off Longacre was struggling more he's been a healthy scratch the last couple weeks since we traded for Fowler Abukum hasn't really developed and coming from eastern Washington didn't have the kind of big school pedigree that you'd expect for guys that you want to be able to rely on as a starting outside uh pass rusher and you know is it is it 
Abukum or is it Ibukam? I don't know. I, I, it's one of those <laughs> things. What, whatever you say is probably right. They all seem to be acceptable. It's yeah. and, and and ultimately the real problem is the Rams have maybe the best player in football. And this is we're what seventeen minutes into this, and this is the longest I think I've gone into a podcast without mentioning Aaron Donald. He's He's probably the best team. Best he is the best team, but he's also he the, the best team. player in the <laughs> NFL. Uh, and the problem is, as long as you force the Rams it, it, offensively, if you try to avoid him, whether you're running to the outside or scheming, especially you know if you got a quarterback that's mobile, and that may be the biggest difference between Foles and Wentz is that Wentz could have moved away from Aaron Donald. Is that you can find ways to get away from Aaron Donald and kind of negate his effect on the game and force other guys to have an impact. And when they've done that, the Rams have had varying levels of success against the bears. They had none uh, early on. And you know, the bears found ways to triple team Aaron Donald at times, which is what you're going to have to do to try to deal with him. But they just couldn't really get anything going with the passing game because Trubisky had a bad game. Other teams have found different levels of success when they scheme away from Aaron Donald. The problem is if you don't scheme away from Aaron Donald, he's going to win because he's that good. And so the, the bigger problem has been when you've got a guy like Aaron Donald up the middle, you mentioned the interior pass rush. There's just no excuse. You know that you're going to get a ton of one-on-one matchups on the outside, yeah. and there's just no mm-hmm. way to defend the inability for the Rams' edge rush to lose one-on-one as frequently as they have, even since they've gotten Dante Fowler, knowing that he was going to be an imperfect solution to an imperfect problem. But it's one that going into 2019, the Rams probably have to spend more capital than they have going back four or five years. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because you know you're going to get the slide Donald's way, what eighty percent of the time. Yep. The other guys got to come through with their one-on-one matchups. You see that a lot with with Fletcher Cox too. He'll get, he'll get the slide. They'll they'll try to chip Brandon Graham or something of that yep. nature, and then you end up with Michael Bennett kicked inside on a guard, and it's and it's lights out. So similar situation with the with the Rams. And I uh, the, the matchup between Aaron Donald and if they're able to like put a linebacker to mug the a gap to kind of influence that center and get Aaron Donald one on one with a guy like Isaac Siamalu who struggles with functional strength. Is he gonna? play i was just gonna ask because i saw he's on the injury report is he gonna go i have no idea at this point who knows what's going on number one with this medical staff obviously that's been the story today uh but number two i'm I'm not sure if he's going to play or not i actually have to look that up on the update maybe i'll update that when when we come into uh, when i when i do the intro later on because we're recording this on a thursday night so that's something to follow up on because if not it's steven wisniewski who i would say has similar struggles as well and then you look at a guy like jason kelsey who is a fantastic technician a really athletic but he will give up some ground to some stronger guys uh, all along the interior so there's that part of his game too so uh, looking outside of the strength of this team with Aaron Donald I like this secondary too uh Nickel Roby Coleman was a personal favorite of mine coming into the offseason because the Eagles needed a nickel cornerback and I said well why not get a guy named Nickel because he played some really doggone football last year some good football last year and it, I think he's playing some good football this year too uh, I keep the league has been has been solid when he's been healthy what what the hell is going on with Marcus Peters this year though yeah I think that that was part of the problem was that Peters got isolated because Tlaib was gone so long for injury we lost him in week three and uh, had to sit out half the year and Peters picked up a calf strain and it's one of those things where the story on this is going to be written in the offseason maybe a couple of years down the line Peters could have gone out injured and probably taken a couple weeks to rehabilitate the calf but he played through it and he played through it knowing that either a he was going to struggle because of it and take the brunt of the criticism or B 
he was going to be lucky enough to be able to put some good performances in and that the opposing teams were going to attack elsewhere. That didn't happen. They went after Peters. <laughs> he tried to be aggressive and a combination of, you know, just the style of game he has in terms of playing really aggressively and not having a foil across from him, similar to what the Rams had a couple of years ago with Janoris Jenkins and Trumaine Johnson before Jenkins went to the Giants and Johnson now signed with the Jets. You had this aggressive corner that plays for the interception that uses safety help over the top to defend the back. And then you've got somebody that's a little bit more technical in Trumaine Johnson and Nakeef Tlaib to be able to cover the other half of the field. That gives you a good mix of the two cornerbacks. And without Tlaib on the field, teams could really attack Peter's side. And uh, it was just one of those things where the, the injury and his style of play combined for a legitimate issue for the defense to be able to scheme around. And Wade Phillips struggled with that. Uh, and yeah. you've seen it the last two weeks since Tlaib's been back. It's just a completely different defense. But uh, you know, that that's part of the issue with Marcus Peters' game, but it's one of those things where when it's good, it's really good, and when it's bad, it's a severe problem. It's it's more an issue that you've got to have somebody alongside him on the other side of the field, and when we didn't have Tlaib, it, was, it just exacerbated the problem. So I think more than anything, we're just lucky to have Tlaib back, but it yeah. does reveal that the Rams got to do something because both those guys are going into contract years next year. Uh, and the Rams don't really have a solution outside of those two guys on the quarterback depth chart. Absolutely. So, okay, let's get into uh, predictions here. I think we've covered this this pretty well. The line is all the way to 12 points with yeah. the Eagles as underdogs. Uh, the over-under that I'm looking at is 52.5. And, and, again, just to be clear on the timing of this, we are recording on a Thursday night. But that 12-point line was at 9 points to open, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, the betting public really likes the Rams in this one. Do you like them as much as they do? Do you think they cover, Joe? I do. I think it's – a well, the, the cover is going to be a little bit harder because the line's so big. I certainly like them to win the game because you got a couple factors. Number one, they're at, back at home. Number two, you've got all the reason to think that, okay, they've really got to bear down on f- figuring out something to work through this offense this week. Coming out of the Bears game, the offense struggled against Detroit. Those are the two games since the bye. You're not going to have the weather narrative that, you know, Jared Goff has his cold, tiny hands that he simply can't <laughs> play football when it. the air conditioning is going. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then on top of that, this is a team that's still got a lot to play for, despite the fact that they're 11-2. and two, They got the second seed because we lost to the Saints so they got the tiebreaker and the Bears are quickly approaching they want to make sure they get the first round by because this is a team that is excited as they were to make the playoffs last year you know I was at that game and we lost to the Falcons at home and it was like well okay clearly even with the benefit of having home field locked up in the wild card and the Rams didn't play their starters in week 17 last year they still dropped that game and right. it had nothing to do with roster deficiencies it was execution yeah. and so when you look at the Bears game it's like okay well what has changed I'm not sure a ton has and so there's no better time for them to go ahead and figure some things out before the playoffs start than this week uh, they got all the motivation in the world between bouncing back from the Chicago game, the playoff standings, and just a general narrative standpoint, I think they're going to be up for it. But in terms of the line, that's a that's a wide margin, man. And especially if you guys get the run game going. I know, you know, moving on from LeGarrette Blunt, no Jay Ajayi has changed things from the running back position, but uh, the Rams' real deficiency on defense has been the running game. Yeah. And for teams that can start to unlock that, it opens up the pass, and it's been a struggle for the Rams all year. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys cover it all, but I still feel pretty confident that the Rams will get the dub. Yeah, Joe, can I tell you how horrific slash enjoyable it is watching this offense on film in preparation for that? I was really looking forward to this game. Not only, you know, going into the season, you're like, oh, this is going to be like a key game. But even with everything that's gone on with the Eagles this year, I'm like, I can't wait to get to the Rams week because I really want to take the time, sit down and watch this offense. It's, It's 
so much fun. No ill will towards you guys if you guys light us up like Chinese New Year. Are you allowed to say that? Is Chinese? Can we still say that in 2018? Chinese New Year? Is that un-PC? Is that, is that not a... Can we not? I don't know the rule. I don't know the rules. <laughs> I have no idea what the rules are in here. Well, I make the rules on this show, so I'm going to leave it in until I nice. Google it, and then I'll edit it out if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Joe. Before, before we let you go, let the gentle listeners know one more time where they can find you and where they can find your work. 3K underscore if you want to talk about Chinese New Year. Otherwise, if we want to talk about football, <laughs> follow us at Tertio Times. Like I said, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're not on TikTok yet. Do you guys do TikTok over at BGN? Where's TikTok? Ooh, that's it. That's the uh, that's all the advantage we needed. We're taking over the TikTok <laughs> game. Follow us, teens and preteens, over at Tertio Times. Because that's Hello, who follows kids. the NFL is 15-year-old kids. They love the NFL. <laughs> Amazing, Joe. Thank you, man. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.